This is a HeadGum Podcast. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. Hey, this is Francesca Ramsey, but everyone online knows me as Cheska Lee, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, and it's dope. My name is Idris Elba, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Daryl Bell from Planet Earth. Now, actually, I'm from a different world, school days, and, well, Chicago. There you go. I'm from there, too, and it's a joy and a pleasure to be here on the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Sujata Day. I'm playing Sarah on Insecure, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Mark Bernard, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Dee Watkins, New York Times bestselling author of The Cook-Up and The B-Side. You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. What's up, y'all? It's producer Will Packer, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Keep it locked right here. tuning into episode 121 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled Spider-Man Homecoming, Nelson Ellis Tribute, and Jason Muse. Three segments. In our first segment, one of the most popular comic book films of the year just premiered this weekend, Spider-Man Homecoming. And we have guest Laura Harrier, who plays the role of Liz Allen on a one-on-one interview with KB. In our second segment, this past weekend, we heard about the tragic passing of actor Nelson Ellis. Nelson has played many roles and is best known for his work as Lafayette Reynolds on the HBO hit series, True Blood. So in this tribute features a clip from True Blood, one of his most popular clips as Lafayette, and also an interview he did with Sway in the Morning. In our third segment, we're back at Tidewater Comic Con again, this time with Jason Muse. Jason you know best as Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. He's done movies like Mallrats, Clerks, Dogma, and the Jay and Silent Bob movies, of course. And he talks about his work with Kevin Smith, and they've got some new projects under their belt. So that's our show. Three incredible segments. 
And next week, we will not have a podcast. And the week after that, we will not as well. So we're going on a two-week hiatus because we're getting prepped for San Diego Comic-Con, one of the biggest conventions of the year. And trust me, when we come back, we will have all of the highlights ready for you to listen to of all of our various interviews that happen throughout the con. So stay tuned for that. So for now, stay tuned for episode 121, Spider-Man Homecoming, Nelson Ellis Tribute, and Jason Mewes. Enjoy. Laura Harrier is an actress and a model. Harrier was first recognized for her portrayal of Destiny Evans in the short-lived reboot of the American soap opera, One Life to Live. Currently, you can find her playing the role of Liz Allen in Spider-Man Homecoming. It was also recently announced that Harrier will be co-starring with actor Michael B. Jordan in the new HBO film adaptation of the novel Fahrenheit 451. for chatting. I'm Kimmy with Black Girl Nerds and I'm here with Laura here from the new Spider-Man Homecoming film. I saw it. I loved it. Thank you. It's really, really, really good. So um, just for our fans and our outlet, just tell us a little bit about how you got into acting and how you got this role. Um, So I, being an actor wasn't really like the plan, you know, people always, do you always know like that you were going to do this? No. Um, but I moved to New York for college and then I kind of was modeling a bit. Um, and I did that for a few years, but it was never what I wanted to do. It was kind of just this weird thing that happened. Um, but I would booked a lot of commercials and kind of people would ask me to be like in their short films or my friends in film school and stuff. Um, and I don't know, and I found that I really loved it, so I decided to then uh, stop modeling to go to drama school, so I went to William Esper Studio in New York for uh, the like two-year intensive program, and then in my last year there, uh, Steve McQueen cast me in his pilot for HBO, so that wow. was kind of like my first real job. So then I did that, um, and that actually didn't end up happening, but we did like a long work together, worked together for a long time. And then I went to LA and I had my first Spider-Man audition and then I just kept auditioning from there. And yeah, That's here it. I am. <laughs> wow. Awesome. So, you know, uh, in the film, it's really, really refreshing to see all of the diversity. Yeah, for sure. Finally. So talk about the impact it had on you just kind of as a woman of color being cast in almost, I think it is the most diverse Marvel film coming out to date at this point, you know, like mm-hmm. outside of Black Panther because it has it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Talk about that impact. You know, it's high. it's incredible. Like I I'm really honored to be this person. Um I don't know. I mean you it's always kind of uh where am I going? I I I'm just really happy that John kind of spearheaded this whole thing. Like it was really him that was very adamant about I want this to look like Thank you. Um, to look like a school in Queens, like we're in New York City, it's 2017, this is how the world looks. And thank you. Um, and 
it shouldn't be this big groundbreaking thing, but of course it is. <laughs> um, but I really hope that this movie is a big step forward in changing what film looks like and having more representation. You know, like growing up, I there weren't people that looked like me in movies. Like there weren't families that looked like mine. Like that just wasn't a thing. And representation is so important. And I remember like, you know, being really young and being like, oh, that sucks. Like, no, like there's yeah, just nobody yeah. that I connect to like right, that. Exactly. And um, if I can be that person for little brown girls, like I'm just really, really happy and grateful about yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. such a, I mean, it's such an incredible thing because it's true. Like growing up, man, I just was like, I'd love to see myself right? on screen. But outside of, you know, like the Cosby show and exactly. like more adult shows like Martin and things like that. Just Stuff in like, my yeah, area. like, yeah, 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 like Martin or, I don't know. What um, even Living Single and yeah, seeing Living Single like and all that yeah. stuff, but it's not, like, I didn't connect to that, you know? Well, and also they weren't our age, right? Yeah, they so weren't our like... age, so like as a kid, like, <laughs> yeah. they're not our age and also, I don't know, like, I'm biracial, so like, there just were no families that looked like mine on TV, like, yeah. at all, so, um, yeah, I think it's really, it's really important and I'm just really, really happy that this is, the way that they decided to go and also you know they John really just wanted to cast the best person for each character right. and he didn't want to look at the race yeah I don't think he looked at the race and I know my very first Spider-Man audition like I was in the waiting room with girls of every color like everybody was there um so I know that they didn't go in to Liz being like we want a black girl for this one like <laughs> none of us are like the token whatever it's kind of more about just the reality of the world and what the difference between like I think like diversity and tokenism is like right. this is a diverse world and you know not like there to be the token black girl right, <laughs> right. which I, I do appreciate that he thought like a little bit more in depth about it and was just like hey yeah. I want to select the individual who um will bring this character to life versus mm -hmm. sticking to the typical comic trope and having like just the standard like white girl with blue eye totally. hair totally and uh, it's like and oh well that's how and... it was in the comics and yeah that was 1962 right like, right things like, have changed yeah <laughs> and you know this is spider-man now and it feels very current and i like but yeah, if he was dropped into our world, it would look like this. It does. And I do, you know, I'm just going back as we were talking like a little bit about like living single and kind of the things that like um, representation and how it used to look. I mm -hmm. love that show. I connected with them in a different way, but because they weren't my age and they were working adults, exactly. it's nice to see like now, I guess, like the kind of bonds that they had on Living Single, I feel like you guys have as a cast in terms of like they were super close. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. They did everything That's such a good together. And so, I love that. Yeah, show. because they, they had such unique and great friendships. Mm -hmm. Like, and even though they were adults, you still saw the love and the devotion and the loyalty that they had to each other. Yeah. And you see a lot of that in this cast, even though, you know, they're in high school and it's younger mm -hmm. and they don't have, well, everyone except for Peter, they really don't have the weight of the world falling yeah, yeah, on their yeah. shoulders. Um, they still have a lot of that camaraderie. And I like really, Really, really appreciated that. Awesome. So, oh my so, god, now that's in my head forever. <laughs> Living single. single. <laughs> the nice world. Oh my god, it's not going to be all day. It was really the best. <laughs> so, so, I mean, tell us just kind of in your words a little bit more about Liz and what she brings to this film specifically and really what she brings to Peter's life. Um, so, you know, Liz is a senior. She's a little older than the other kids. Um, she's a captain of the academic decathlon team. Yep, love this. She's brilliant. Like yeah, this. <laughs> exactly. So she's super smart. She's, you know, going to MIT early decision. She has all of these things going on. Like, she's the girl who's captain of the homecoming committee and 
every single thing in school. Um, and I really love that about her, that she is a huge nerd too. Like she's super nerdy. And like John would say that to me constantly, like bring out your inner nerd. Like I know she's there, like bring her out. So like, <laughs> like embracing that and showing that you can be cool and popular and super smart and nerdy and still be pretty and like still like have things with boys like you're I'm so sick of seeing just like these tiny types of women in films and I just really appreciate like making her a well-rounded human being right yeah. because I mean that's like that's multifaceted. We <laughs> like we're all <laughs> multifaceted we multi-dimensional and, like it's right. time that you know, women seem that the way on screen that they are in life, especially women of color, like it's just so rare. And I'm just like so grateful to be in something that appreciates that. Yeah, I do really appreciate the range that they allowed Liz to have. Yeah. And not just Liz, but Liz and Michelle and Peter. Like Completely. they really yeah. have the full cast and they are allowing them to kind of be the kids that they are mm -hmm. and experiment with who they are and figure yeah, out life and, like, and figure out the, the path and the journey. And right. I feel like, yeah, it is. It, I really connected, yeah, that high school aspect of that, of finding yourself and kind of, like, figuring out where you fit in in the world. Obviously, Peter the most, but all of the characters are kind of trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in and where they stand in these stories. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I've seen the film, and I saw the way the audience really reacted to your chemistry with Tom on screen. Oh, cool. So just kind of tell me a little bit about what that process was like. Like, how did you guys get close enough to really form this bond that shows on screen between Peter and Liz? Um, well, I think, well, yeah, so we first met in the screen test, and instantly, mm -hmm. I don't know, Tom is just so genuinely nice and cool that I was really like put at ease because I was obviously horribly nervous going into this test. <laughs> um, so I feel like we we all just hung out a lot. Like it, it wasn't sort of this manufactured thing of like, Tom, we should sit down and get to know each other. So we, this comes across like we really just became friends and it was easy. Like all of us hung out together all the time throughout filming. And then, you know, days on set are really long. Oh, and, uh, Tom had a really fancy trailer, so <laughs> we were always in there all the time. And like it, it was really organic and natural. Like there, there isn't really any secret behind it to just actually being friends. Right, and yeah. that's good to know. And then it, it's also good to know because you know, just when this ends, you'll still be friends. And like, yeah, and when we, you're shooting other things, like you exactly. can still talk and hang out. Yeah, and it's, nice and it's just so that. nice to have other people to go through this very bizarre experience that we're going right. through together. Um, you know, it's. It's my and Dan Jacobs' first movie, so um, and all of us' first movie on this scale. So it's just um, really, really like I just feel really lucky to like have people to share that with. Yeah. So speaking of that, I mean, I know things will dramatically change for you guys. Like once this film drops in your life, so what kind of advice have you received from kind of the veteran actors on set, um, just about how to handle everything that's coming down the pipeline? You know. Um. I mean, the veteran actors on set, I feel like what I more learned from them was more on-set stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, just working with Michael Keaton for a while and just watching the way that he holds himself on set and how professional he is, how kind he is to everyone, um, how happy he is to be there, really. Like, you could tell that he loves doing this. He loves making movies. He wants to show up every day. He has the best attitude and, um, you know... I think those are like the lessons that we can really learn especially as young actors like if we're so lucky to still be doing this then right, <laughs> in right. the future which I really hope to be doing um, 
you know, you, you just never want to lose that, I think. Um, in terms of life stuff, I don't know. I think I think the person I would talk to most about that is Zendaya because she is, you know, pretty mm-hmm. famous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's also so normal. Yeah, very just bright. like very um, down to earth and normal. And I, I don't know. I think we all kind of are who we are. Right. I think we're all, you know pretty grounded people with good parents and all of that stuff but um i can't see anything drastically changing besides for besides the more fame, just maybe you know more just more people, people in the world will know who i am <laughs> right but exactly. i don't think like myself and the rest of the cast like are gonna change personally so much i don't foresee that happening right yeah just mostly you know a few more people will know who you are exactly. they'll want to know things about you yeah and, and so of course many. that's a thing and right. that i'm kind of terrified about but um i don't know i live in brooklyn i'll go like hide over there (laughs) just go to your apartment exactly i'm just like (laughs) gonna take a break right okay so i do have a question in terms of you know what's kind of at the center of this film that you want fans to take away um you know i think this is a film about identity and growing up and finding yourself um i didn't that it's, it's okay to not have everything figured out, you know? Nobody has everything figured out, and I think that that's a big theme for Peter of thinking that I'm I'm past this, I'm past high school, I'm, I got it, like, I'm grown up, I know my shit, I know exactly what's going on, when he doesn't, and none of us do. And I think, you know, rushing, I remember being in high school and being like, I just wanna get out of here, I'm so over this, like, I'm so past this, and, I wasn't, and those were, like, totally invaluable years that I went through and where you do the most growing and most learning. Um, And that I think that carries through into adulthood, too. You know, I think that um, even right now, like, I've been constantly reminding myself to, like, stay in the moment and appreciate this now because I'm like, I just want this movie to come out. I want these things to happen and, like, kind of rushing through. But all of these are, like, very important moments in life and very important aspects um and same with growing up or in high school or where any age that you are um I think being in the moment being grateful and and being okay with the person that you are right now not trying to change for anyone or change for yourself yeah and being appreciative that's huge huge takeaway I mean just saying thanks because you know at the end of the day we all asked to be where we are now and so like kind of appreciating those moments yeah yeah not constantly rushing forward and going to the future and um yeah trying to be like oh this is who I am right now and I'm okay with this and I like the person that I am and I don't want to change for anybody that's so true yeah so are there any special scenes because I don't want to spoil anything but are there any special scenes that you loved that actually were left out of the final cut that you could speak about yeah (laughs) I don't know if I can talk about it okay yeah we had a really uh I don't know if I could say but um there is. Yes. My answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's it. Yeah. I mean, yes. I guess it's, it's not in the movie, but it was very, it was cool to shoot. It was something with me and Michael Keaton. It was cool. Oh, but, yeah. Man. And yeah. having seen it, I'm like, oh, I, <laughs> I might like stop recording. So, just so I know. <laughs> but, um, so also just what were some of the, speak to kind of what were some of the challenges that you encountered um, while filming? Were there any? Yeah, of course. I mean, of course. I think it's more like the pressure of being in a film like this, of mm-hmm. this size. 
um, I just kind of constantly had to trick myself about what we were doing. <laughs> like, I, if I was, like, on site, I was like, oh, my God, maybe millions of people are going to see this. You're in Spider-Man. Like, all of that. Like, because I'll just, like, start running with that, right. with that and just, right. like, go head, to a whole go, different place. Right. Like, I just had to focus on what I was doing and do a good job and be present and just think about who my scene, you know, just connecting with the person that I was there with. Um, and that was probably the, the biggest challenge is just not letting – um, the scope of what this is like caused me to collapse under the pressure, um, which was made so much easier by the people that I was surrounded with and so lucky to have grounded, cool people and supportive friends. And that um, was definitely helpful. In that. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I have to ask just a little bit, were you familiar with Liz Allen, you know, prior to taking on the role? Kind of what was the preparation? What was kind of the preparation that you um, kind of took um, as an angle to get this? No, I mean, prior to this whole experience, I, no, I didn't know who Liz was. I was familiar with just the comics in general and Spider-Man, but um, I wasn't a big enough fan to know Liz. Um, but once I got the job, I kind of started at the beginning of the comics and read through and Liz appears pretty early on in Amazing Spider-Man. She's like issue four or something, I think. Um, so... That, yeah, it was cool to kind of get to do the research and the history, and my dad actually bought me, like, a huge stack of comic books, and I just, oh, like, so got through them, which I got, and I got super into it, too. Um, I, you know, I had, yeah, read it as a kid, but it, it had been a long time, so it was fun to, like, get back in the comic book world. And it's different, too, you know, when you're taking on a role versus just reading it as a child, and you're just like, wow, this is really cool, but then totally. when you are going to step into kind of this iconic role, yeah, yeah. it takes a different shape and a different form. Yeah, exactly. But also, that being said, like, my Liz is not the Liz from the comics. And Yeah, and that's what I was about yeah. to say. So how did you, like, what did you do to kind of make her unique from the Liz um, in the comics? You know, I... I just go back to, you know, the diversity and all this stuff. Like, I just wanted it to feel modern, and I didn't want it to feel like we were s stretching to fit into this box that's already conceived. Like, um, I think there were a lot of different references for Liz. Like, you know, John had me watch a lot of 80s movies. We all did. Um, but he was really, he was, like, free, like say anything was a big one so okay. like very Ioni Sky and say anything she was like for sure a big influence uh, um I like, can see that now yeah, yeah 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 so she was a big one for Liz um different people in my life like you know you just like kind of build these characters from like kind of like taking from all these different influences and of course the comics were something of that and like you don't want to lose where this came from but um it, it was cool that we had the freedom to really create our own characters yeah, I appreciate that John did that. I mean, I had I did notice a few like nods to the '80s in mm -hmm. the film, and even in like the way he shot certain scenes, it felt a yeah. lot like. Well, there is like the Ferris Bueller, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But then it also just felt like an '80s movie in yeah. some ways. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, wow, that's really cool because I just remember growing up and watching those films Definitely. and being a part of it. So yeah, so it's interesting that you you mentioned that movie because I was like, oh, now. Now I kind of see it because I didn't before when I watched yeah, the film, no, but now. I mean, I don't know. I haven't actually. I haven't seen it since I was doing the research for right, this. Right. But, um, yeah, we definitely took a lot from that. I don't know. I mean, all those John Hughes movies too. It's funny too because I grew up in Evanston, Illinois, which is where all of those take place. Right. <laughs> so when I told John, John that, Hughes. he was like, "Oh my god!" He was so excited. <laughs> he was like, "I knew you were meant to be in this movie." I was like, "Yeah, is this a sign?" Like, um, so yeah. He's like, this is 
the connection that we've been waiting for. <laughs> yes. So then my final question, because I know we're going to have to wrap soon, is will we see Liz Allen again? You know? That's not up to me. <laughs> I Honestly, I don't know. You okay. know, I would love to, but that's not my call. Totally understand. Well, we would love to see you again. Thank you. And so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank Black you so Girl much. Nerds. Thank you. <laughs>
But you can buy me some outfits. <laughs> um, no, I'm it, sorry it, to hear that too. By the way, oh, it's it's mom. cool. Okay. It's uh, you know, my mother was a southern girl, mm-hmm. and uh, southern girls just don't like seeing their their men mm-hmm. in that fashion. My father's a deacon; he's Christian, so he's supportive, but you know, he doesn't watch the show. He, he doesn't thinks, watch it. No, he 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 thinks it's uh, it's heathenistic. Yeah. yeah, he's a bit embarrassed because on Mondays when he go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have something to say about his son. <laughs> yeah, uh, are you are you like the you know uh, most popular character on True Blood right now? Do you know? I I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? I don't know. You're a very humble dude. Man. He really is. He's a really humble dude. <laughs> you such a you such a powder keg on the show, but here on person, it's just like a mild mannered humble humble dude right yeah, here. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Laid back, chilling. Got the nice outfit on. So not Lafayette, but. I, I just... <laughs> I'm joking with you. Okay, uh, we got Edwin Perez from Brooklyn on the line. What's your question? My question to Lafayette. Uh, sorry, Sway. Congratulations on the show. I love Sway. Good morning. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you so much. My question to Lafayette is: Is he the highest paid cast member due to being a gay? You know, playing a gay role on HBO True Blood. Hell no, bro. No, no, you're not paid for what you're playing. You pay for what your billing is and your contract. And uh, I'm not number one, two, three, or four on the show. Uh, So I I don't get paid. uh, I get paid what I'm supposed to get paid. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, You're not even top five paid? No, no, no. I'm number six. <laughs> I would think like Suki and Bill and that whole Suki, fr- Eric, Bill. They get paid. They okay. get paid. What they make an episode? You know, I, I don't know, but more than me. I read okay. the gossip magazines. I'll say what I heard. What you hear? Um, like Anna, like seventy five to a hundred, seventy to a hundred per episode. I don't know if that's no, accurate. No. More, more than that. No. More than that. Way more than that. But I thought you didn't know. Well, I, <laughs> well, that's I, that's I low. You're saying that's low for 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 someone of that yeah. magnitude on a popular show like that. Well, that's a seven and an eight. That's seven and eight. Really? Not that's, that's one, a, two, seven and eight. Make it so you you're number six. So you make it six figures an episode. <laughs> Balling, yo! He's a friend of mine. All right, we got uh Cedric from South Carolina on the line. You want to uh, speak with Lafayette from True Blood? Uh, real name Nelson Ellis. Yeah, what's going on, y'all? What's Good your morning. question, man? Right. Hey, Lafayette, man, how do you actually feel about playing a gay character? I mean, does that make you feel, you know, any different from you know your regular life or anything? It uh, it only it it only gets strange in, in how my family responds to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't so much care about, you know, anything else, but it's it's you know, dealing with my father, my brothers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, my sisters. Dealing with them then it get gets strange because I come from a very religious family. Are you are you gay? <laughs> no. You're not gay. So do you have a woman? <gasps> no. You don't have a woman. But you be banging out hoes, all right? <laughs> Why? Well, I'm just trying to understand what we at. Where are we? Uh, Wait, no, he he asked. Can I ask him something really quick? Yeah, go, go, go. How 
what was your audition process like for for True Blood? Like, did you have to go six, seven times to audition for the character? Was did you just nail it in that one? You knew when you walked out, like I got this. Like, what was your audition process like? No, I had four auditions. Um, mm. my second audition wasn't good. It casting wasn't director, good. No, the casting director called my agent, said it sucked, uh, and that I was <laughs> going on to the third audition by the skin of my teeth. Really? Only because she liked my look. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I realized I was putting on a character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because Alan Ball is, is is sharp. Yeah. He He's looking for actors who can be something, not actors who can portray something. Because yeah. then you get caught acting a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to give my acting coach, figure out where Lafayette lived in my bones, do that, and then be believable. Right. As a masculine, feminine, butch, uh, queen. butch queen, right? Who can wear lipstick mm-hmm. and whoop some ass? Jason Muse is a TV actor, film actor, film producer, and internet radio show host. He's played Jay, the vocal half of the duo Jay and Silent Bob, with his longtime friend Kevin Smith. You may have seen him in such films as Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Scream 3, as well as the Jay and Silent Bob movies. Jay also co-hosts a weekly podcast with Kevin Smith called Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. This is just a snippet from the panel. Been doing it since you've been here. Have you been moderating everything? I have not. 
I'm not that important. <laughs> Has there been other Q and A's? Yeah. Before me. Yeah. So you're not all here for me. You were here because there's Q and A's all day and night. I think they're here for you. I appreciate that. I like that. I, I do. Because sometimes I, I, my fear is always to come in the room and there's like four people. <laughs> and I would get it because there's lots of cool stuff to do here um, and lots of things to look at. So I would understand if no one came. But it's always honestly a good feeling when you come out and it's a full room because they can't, you can't, they can't, I'm talking to you. And then you can be down there like, you know, hanging out getting signatures from the Flash and Barry Allen's father slash Barry Allen's father. <laughs> right? How amazing is that? That he was the Flash and then years later he's the Flash. Very, 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 I think it was very genius of them to do that cover. Speaking of Flash, I think somebody on the stage was a special guest on that show. We did a little bit of fist bump. I didn't want to say anything, but I was the Flash for the first one. <laughs> I was up to the mask doing all the stunts. Um, I did get to it, and it was very exciting. It was more exciting for me even to, more than being, uh, you know, getting to be in the episode and have a speaking part and such. That was definitely cool and all that, but being on set really was really exciting for me. Like, I, I went there with Kevin and was hanging with Kevin, and I got to hang out all day before we shot the day after. Um, and just run around set. I took pictures in the cells, the metahuman cells, and then like the whole, and then I got to go, the Arrow set is in the same um, studio place, like a huge studio with all the different buildings, and like the Arrow set, um, I don't know what they call it, the cave really, where they all wear Felicities on the computers and stuff. But like their little man, their little man cave, if you will. <laughs> and then Star Labs, and what's so cool is, you know, like, they always do the scene where like Barry will walk out of the, the room and walk down the tunnel where the hidden room is, the future room, which looks so big on the show, right? But when you're in there, it's like literally the size of this black <laughs> it's I'm exaggerating. It is a little bit bigger, but it's it just seems so cool, like weird to be in there and walk through it because all of a sudden you're then in this open room. But on the show, I feel like it like wraps around. It's crazy. So I don't know. That to me was really cool because I got to walk around and meet other cast and stuff, watch them do their scenes and all that, and take pictures. And they gave me a, uh, a tour of the Arrow set, jitters. At that point, they were they had shot a couple scenes from uh, Legends of Tomorrow, so like just a parts of the interior of the ship was there. Um, I got to see before it came out when Barry got his powers back in that big machine. That was in there, and that was the one thing they were like, "You can't take pictures of this because <laughs> the episode hadn't there, and it was a big secret and stuff." So, um, but it was awesome. It was really cool, and then to meet uh, you know get to see Girder in action and. Uh, it was zombie girder at that point. Um, it was cool. And it was cool because I can't tell the story way better, but um, if you guys hadn't heard the story, I don't know if you haven't listened to it and you get a chance, we have a, a podcast called Jane Song Bob Get Old. It's on iTunes. Kevin <laughs> um, and I do it live, and we've been doing it for about six years. And we tour all over, uh, and, and I was telling a few people that came to my table, um, hopefully we'll be coming around close to here soon, 
so you guys say, well, do listen to it and come to the uh, to come see a lot. What was amazing the first time I've heard this again. This is another re a reason I love coming to these is because the first time today someone had said they started watching the movies recently because they listened to the podcast and we were talking about the movies and all that and they thought the podcast was awesome. So then they started watching the movies, which was a first for me because usually people watch the movies and then say, oh, these guys do a podcast. So I don't know, I found that to be interesting and it was, it's pretty awesome uh, that someone found out, found the movies through the podcast. But, um, and so he, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, when I, I went up there with Kevin just to hang out, like I was saying, I wanted to just walk around set, meet everybody and watch them do their magic. Um, and so uh, while I was hanging out, Kevin didn't get the script. I didn't give him the script until he was up there um, about a week beforehand. And he had read the script, um, and there's a part of Jason in it, and the whole zombie girder part and all that. And so I was hanging out in the trailer, because he's like, hey, you know, I have to go do some blocking, wait here, and I'll be right back. And when he came back, he got the pages with that scene and said, dude, they're going to put you in the show. They're going to put you in the show. Look, and then show, I look at it, I go, no way, dude, are you serious? <laughs> Wait, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, dude. And he goes, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, come on, really? He goes, nah, it doesn't say Jay, it's all Bob. It just says, Jason, it's, it's not you. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, whatever. And I was a little bummed, but I was like, whatever, I'm here, and I get to see the set, take pictures. But he, and he didn't know at this point, because he got the script, but that day he had done a table reading, uh, a table read, and they do it, uh, and again, he explains it better because he was there, but they have like Skype, and they're Skyping with people from New York and the producers and all this stuff. And they read through the script and they talk about like, you know, this is a lot of action, this is the tone, the tone of this scene is this, blah, 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 blah. And when they got to that part, they're like, all right, Kevin, this is really weird, but we wrote a part for your friend Muse. <laughs> and he was like, what? And they're like, yeah. We just figured he'd be here with you. <laughs> so, yeah, and so he's like, well, he actually is. And I'm like, do you think he'll do it? And he's like, well, are you kidding me? He'll suck your dick to do it. <laughs> um, so, and then, and then he came and told me. So I don't know, that was really sweet because they, they, Kevin didn't ask me to be in it. The writers actually were like, we, your buddy's going to be in his buddy's gonna probably be with him, so let's just write him a part. Um, so that was really sweet. So it, it was awesome. Again, the whole experience was it was surreal and, and pretty awesome. So, but yeah. So I don't know why I just blabbed on forever about that. I think because I said uh, the Barry Allen's father. But um, but yeah. So I don't know. Do you want to ask something, or do I want to ask them something? I think these are your biggest fans out here. Am I not mistaken? <laughs> Someone doesn't want to stand. Like, if you're coming to ask a question, are you leaving? 
Oh, don't sit down, bro. Sit down. I'll leave your ass from there. You started off. Why don't you walk? Yeah. I'm just saying it isn't dope. So this is good. You guys stand because I might fly bomb, but you ask first and then we'll go through. And anyone else who wants to ask, just stay again. Oh my god. I know, I'm just kidding. Again, I mentioned the podcast again, but it's been cool because in the last couple 
times we've done the podcast, and hopefully we'll come and do it around here. As Kevin and I have been reading, he's picked a scene from the movie, um, and as we've read it out loud, the scene, uh, me and like he plays there, the, he narrates it. That it's not a big scene, but it's still a little taste of what the movie is, and it's it's really funny, and it's going to be great. Now, hopefully, everything goes as planned because as of right now, Kevin's really shooting to start. Uh, for us to start filming and uh, sorry, August, September. So hopefully that goes as planned and we start shooting and then hopefully it'll be out beginning of next year or something. So, so yeah, so Chainsaw Bob, we're ready to The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brognax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Brodnax, M.R. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Spotify. That was a HeadGum Podcast.